welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast on a very, very soon-to-be 4th of July weekend hump day. That is correct. We are rapidly approaching the 4th of July holiday, and I think people are looking forward to it, even though we can't really do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Beaches are closed. Restaurants no fireworks. are closed. <laughs> well, no fireworks, but there's been a lot of fireworks recently. They're like everywhere. Yeah, well, people have nothing to do. People have literally nothing to do but fireworks. Well, just in case it's your first time tuning in, I'm Dr. Jay Calvert. I am here with the amazing and talented Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you doing? I am doing very well. How are you? I'm good. We are uh, we are hot off a top secret uh, shoot this weekend oh, yeah. for a potential television show it's a secret i know and it may never go so we shouldn't even you're not even gonna talk about it so forget we said anything (laughs) but you did a really good job and i was very happy with i think all of our performances including dr john konevsky that is correct yes so all three of us we got in there we gave it our best shot if at the time you're listening to this there's no television show with us on it you know that it was nuked (laughs) (laughs) which happens a lot all the time that's why we don't even talk about it i can tell you that i have probably done sizzle reels for no less than six shows throughout my time in California. Yikes. Not one of them's ever made it. Would you like to explain to our listeners what a sizzle reel is? So Mr. Industry? Sure. Well, for those of you not in the area, because in LA people are like, yeah, 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 whatever. Sizzle reel. Yeah, I did a sizzle reel too for my (laughs) uh, pets who like skateboarding TV show that never made it. Um, When you want to get a TV show, you have to first demonstrate the concept to the network who is potentially going to air the TV show. And so what they do is they get a producer, you know, this is all driven by the network's desire for a certain type of television show. Sometimes though, producers drive it the other way where the producer will make a sizzle reel or a uh, promo pilot pilot shows like a example show of what it would be. And what we were shooting this weekend was a promo pilot, basically a show. And they'll make the whole thing like it's going to air. And, you know, they take a look at it. They, they make edits. And then ultimately they take it to the, the head of the network who goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> next. And you go, huh, I went, but, uh. that's pretty and much how it goes. That's how it goes. And how it goes. So we did one. I can I can remember one that we did with David Broom. Okay, now Dave is a genius producer. He's had loads of success on television. He was one of the uh, executive producers of The Biggest Loser, and uh, we tried to do like basically The Apprentice for Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery, where like six people, guys, girls, whatever, would come and do a show about auditioning as associates in the practice. But we would like totally treat them like pledges, like in a fraternity. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> oh, it would be so good. <laughs> I was totally up to do Thank it. Thank you for doing all this work and putting your life on hold for 15 years. Now <laughs> let me berate you some more. <laughs> and you're welcome. Well, we weren't going to do that, but we were going to, you know, I have a way of, of saying things to, to people who are learning to help them remember. That's all. And it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be abuse. I mean, no, come on. You know me. I wouldn't do no, that. No, you wouldn't do that. But I'd say things like, what century exactly were you thinking of doing this operation? Because if you want to do this century, then you're going to have to change your technology. Like comments like that. Yeah. I think those are helpful. And then people kind of say, hmm, maybe I should rethink it. 
don't you rethink it? Come talk to me and give it 24 hours and we'll go over it again. But with that, never made it. And then we tried to do one about uh, fly-in plastic surgery. And that was a pretty good one. Oh. But that never I, that never rooted. I don't know why. It was all about our, our patients that come from abroad, yeah. which probably right now would be canceled. That would not be going. <laughs> that would not be happening. Not a good, <laughs> terrible concept for COVID-19. Anyway, that's not what we were going to talk about no. today. Today we're talking about... Chins. 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 Chinses. Chinsen. <laughs> the plural of chins is chinsen. <laughs> and we're going to talk about chins. And I think it's a good topic because we haven't talked, to, like we talk a lot about rhinoplasty, but one of the corollary, mm-hmm. one of the additive operations to rhinoplasty is a chin, chin augmentation. Absolutely. It's part of that whole profile look of the face. You can make dramatic differences in someone's profile, not only with the nose, but with the chin as well. Chin and nose together, I, I call that operation the profile plasty. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, and it's very, you know, because... And you can, by the way, you can make changes to the width of the chin. Like there's all kinds of stuff you can do with chin implants. There are so many different chin implants now that you really have to know the products and what you're trying to achieve. And I really think, and you know, you can say, oh, that's not necessary, but I think you need imaging to do a chin implant. Like I really think it's necessary. Other people would just say, ah, just slap a chin implant in there. But I really like to have a CT and I think x-rays are obsolete for yeah, this operation. No, I'm for sure. all about the CT and I'm all about the 3D reconstruction CT with the, you know, the fine cuts turned into a, you know, basically a 3D model of the skull. And with that, you can really evaluate what's going on with the bony anatomy so that when you have to use chin implant, you've got, you know, total control. And that's what you want. Because especially if you see the asymmetries, you can point it out to the patient but you can point out to yourself and make modifications of these silicone rubber chin implants. I think we could even take it back a step further for someone that's coming in with a chin. And I would say 95% of the time, the problem that the chin is too small and they want to do something to enhance yes. the chin. So that's when you sort of have to look at it and first diagnose what the problem is, number one. And then number two, you can start talking about your procedures and, and operations to fix it. But I think one of the things you first have to look at, like you just mentioned, is the bony anatomy. Like how much of this is a completely deficient bony anatomy? Because some patients are almost on like a medical spectrum of deficient tin. Like that's, what is it? Like when you just don't have any chin. And so then that's when you have to actually look at the jaw, the lower jaw, how it articulates with the upper jaw. Like, do you have any actual pathologic anatomy happening that you have to address? And if you don't, and you just have sort of a weak or receding chin, then you can go on and talk about what your options are. But certainly when you're talking about doing it with a rhinoplasty, having a more prominent chin, if you don't have one, can make a huge difference. It can make the nose appear smaller. You don't have to be as dramatic with the changes in the nose. That is true. And that's all about that, that balance of the face. And, right. you know, there's, so, so what are the diagnoses that cause people to seek uh, chin implants? Let's start there. I mean, chin reduction could be a whole nother yeah, podcast. It's very unusual. It, it is, but I do it. Yeah. I, I, I did one in Dubai that was like a whole mandibular chin reduction. Yes. That like was a, that's like a cool. jaw <laughs> restructuring. Were you there when I did that? Or no, no, I think I did that with Konevsky. He was there. Yeah, no, I wasn't there. Yeah. That, that was, um, that was an incredible it's like a mandibular operation. shave. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the diagnoses are there's uh, retro. Retronathia? So the, retronathia, retronathia, where the chin is 
back. Receding, It's yeah. receding. It's behind the plane of the face. And there's micro-genia or micronathia, which is a small chin. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, they are combined <laughs> just for added... Fun. Aesthetic <laughs> difficulty. Um, but yeah, that, that's where really understanding what you're trying to achieve with a chin implant is key because some people need projection. In other words, to push the chin out in the 3D plane away from their face and some need length. So it needs to be placed to lengthen the face and some need uh, a little bit of width and some combination of projection and, and length. So deciding what size chin implant and where to place it and how to fix it in position, those are sort of the big ticket items with chin augmentation. Right. And you don't always have to use implants. I mean, we use implants because that's what we do most commonly. But there are actual bony surgeries you can do to augment the chin as well. You can actually cut the bones, slide them around in space, bring them down, pull them out, and then fix that bone in place with plates and screws. And and those are actually pretty those easy are, to do yeah, operations. Those are, those and are they're very surgeries. effective. Yeah. They, um, the, <clears throat> the downside that I have found with uh, the sliding genioplasty, as you just described, is that you feel those step-offs. They're pre- they can yeah. be pretty rank. Yeah. You well, know? especially if you're trying to bring it out really far. I mean, that, that's typically when you're going to be doing the bony cuts is when you're really trying to dramatically change something more than you can get with just an implant. I like doing that operation. I, I see, you know, the OMFS guys do them in like mm-hmm. 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. Boom, done. <laughs> <laughs> but they do them that fast, but the, there, there are problems with them. The, first of all, you have to make a gingival buccal sulcus incision to do this. You can't do that no. through the external incision. So when I put in a chin implant, I typically do it through an incision under the chin that looks like a playground ding, you know, from when right. you're a kid <laughs> when it heals up. Exactly what it looks and, like. And, you know, that, that incision is very well hidden and it doesn't disrupt any of the soft tissue anatomy. And, yeah. you know, I really, I really find that to be a lot more, um, pleasing in terms of the long-term effect, but you can put a chin implant in through the, through the inside of the mouth too, if you don't want to have that cut. But I will tell you in every case that I did that, which I don't do it anymore because of this, they all seem to ride high. I couldn't get them down onto the border of the mandible. I don't know why that is. I should be able to just dissect it and show it. Yeah. But for whatever reason. Must be with the healing, right? Like as it heals from the it inside, just pulls it pulls up. it up. I think so. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Because if you never make the pocket, you know, if you come in from underneath, then you make that pocket for the implant, it's going to stay where you put it. Right. It's not going to ride up. It, it, you haven't dissected it up. Yeah. Whereas if you come from above, then... Yeah, as it heals, it scars upward. That's an interesting idea. I like that. <laughs> I have thoughts. <laughs> really? Shocking. I know stuff. Yeah. Well, we don't do this podcast because you're sitting here asleep. No, you've, of course you have thoughts. You're absolutely a brilliant surgeon. And the the key to to getting the chin implant to look nice is making sure that it doesn't move to some area that you don't want it. And that's why pocket control, just like with breast just implants. Just like with breast implants. Just like with breast You implants. make the pocket where you want it. It's precise. And that's where you place your implant. Let's talk a little bit about the implants. Because everyone's probably going, well, what exactly is a chin implant? Like, let's talk about that. They are, these chin implants are, they've come a long way. 
They used to be like, <laughs> have you ever seen the old chin implants? No, I don't think you so. You probably were before you were born because I was kind of catching them on the back end when I was in medical school that we were like revising a lot of them. And uh, just in case uh, our listeners want to know, I am much older than Dr. Ravello by a lot. There may be decades involved just for, you know. But um, the old implants were like these eggs. <laughs> they looked so ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, they were like, they were terrible. It, it really looked like somebody took, you know, those Reese's like peanut butter yeah. Easter eggs? That are like flat on the yeah. back and then rounded. Yeah, and like <laughs> made them out of, out of like... Latex or so. I don't yeah, even know what they were made stuck out of. On like your chin. <laughs> poly, you know, like Teflon or whatever. And they're, that's probably what they were. I think they were PTFE or something. And they were just, they were just wrong. <laughs> they were just wrong on every level. They were shaped wrong. They didn't make any sense. And the guys would just stuff them in because that's what they had. Yeah. And it would look like there was an egg on Ugh, your chin. Awful. So then they made <laughs> chins that looked like. Like, I don't know who the actor was. This is a reference for old people like me. But the guy that played the villain in the Flash Gordon movie, Ming, he had this like super long like moon chin and they made implants that looked like that so that you would put them in. I don't know what they were trying to do. They just look like this like pointed, ugly. They were (laughs) terrible. And so they're mostly gone now because they suddenly realized like this isn't what chins look like. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's not a human chin. It's something, something awful. And I think a lot of like people didn't like doing chin implants because they just look so ugly when they're done. But we like them now because we have these anatomics and, you know, Ed Torino and Bill Binder, you know, spent a lot of time with implant tech, which is actually Bill Binder's company making these really amazing, by the way, have no financial interest in implant tech, no financial interest in any of these implants. Um, the the implants now like hug the mandible and you can get a custom from right. them too that is, that's really great. You can get a whole, you know, jaw wrap around that, you know, you put it in two pieces and do the entire like jaw that's implants nice. and mandible together. It's pricey. It's expensive. That is not cheap, but for the right patient, they really want it. it it's a home run. Yeah, so that'll give you the chin and the jaw. The right, jaw together. Implants, right, so that the whole jawline then is much more defined. And it's all made out of silastic. Uh, it's all silicone. Yeah. So and this isn't silicone gel like a breast implant. It's, it's silicone rubber, so it's solid. Yeah. Um, but it's soft, and it, and it, it really... Um, boy, I really like chin implants. They, they do look great. They, they are... They can save, like, you could do a great rhinoplasty, have a weak chin, and then you get that chin implant in there, and it's like, boom, boom nice. done. Yeah, right. it looks great. Um, and, and there are all shapes. There's, you know, anatomic, extended anatomic. They, they've made this whole catalog of chin implants, and so that makes it really great because you can have a few sizers there. Yeah. You know, as long as you have a good inventory of implants nearby, you know, you're golden. And yeah. they're, not, they're not a zillion dollars either. They're really not too pricey. I, I think uh, most of them cost somewhere. I, I probably am going to get this wrong, but somewhere like in three to five hundred dollar range to buy the actual device. The actual implant, right? That's obviously not for the surgery, but for the implant. Right. Which, if you were going to compare it to, yeah, a, don't a, come a, in and say, "I heard that I can get a chin implant, implant for three hundred dollars." No, no, it's not what it costs. Cost. The implant, and that's in comparison to <laughs> breast implants, which cost anywhere between fifteen hundred to two thousand for a pair. For the device, for the device. not for the, us not to for put the it surgery. in. No, I know there are some people down in, uh, you know, other parts of the county that will, which will remain nameless, that will put them in for 1500 bucks. by the way, think about that math. If your implants cost the doctor 
$2,000 or $1,500 to buy and he's charging you $3,000 or $2,500 and he still has to pay out the OR and the anesthesiologist. Like, just do your math. Do the math. (laughs) Think about what you're getting there. Well, you know the way they do it though is they do it under local anesthesia. They give them a handful of pills and I think you have to bring your own hammer and they whack you over the head with it and then they shove the <laughs> If you want to be knocked in. out, bring your own hammer. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's like, I, how can you possibly do it when the cost I, it is, you know, I, I just, I think people have, I, they want it so badly to be good for 3500 right. bucks. Yeah, That's why. of course, why. of course. I can get breast implants for $3,500. Like, who wouldn't want that? I, I, I might get them just because they're so cheap, you know, but the reality is that the devices do cost 1500 bucks. Unless they're saline, so that's another way that you can make them cheaper. The saline ones are only like six hundred dollars a pair, um, but the the silicone ones are you know yeah. fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars depending on what I you're using. What I'm my average is right now for this. And so then the OR and the anesthesia absolutely has to be three grand. Right. So you spent five thousand dollars and you haven't even had a doctor walk in the room to check on things. Well, there's an anesthesiologist. You got that. Yeah, yeah. But no surgeon, no cuts have been made. So same thing for a chin implant. What does it cost to put in a chin implant? Well, you got to pay for the OR, the anesthesia, the chin implant, and then there needs to be a surgeon to do it who needs to be paid because that's their job and they have to pay their school loans and their put rent. Their, and put their kids through college. Put their kids through college. <laughs> you know what? That's down the road. Let's let's pay the rent first. <laughs> let's take care of our school loans. Let's take care of you know the office machines and yes. you know things like that first um but reality is is that you know the chin implants are, are themselves are not that expensive so adding them on to a procedure like a rhinoplasty doesn't add a lot of cost to the rhinoplasty itself yeah. i think the other thing to know are about the complications of chin implants because there are some certainly which is one is which you just touched on which is malposition having <laughs> that implant sitting in the wrong place probably most common I can see that. Malposition would probably be the most common. Um, And kind of going along with that might just be wrong implant, the wrong implant for the wrong patient. doesn't match. Not a a good aesthetic result. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, because how do you know how to to pick those implants unless you've done a lot of them? Yeah. Um, Probably more rare would be something like infection, which would be pretty Pretty unusual. Pretty rare. Um, I've seen one. I've I mean, seen one happen. very late. It's, it's a foreign foreign device. Yeah, I've possible. seen one very, very late. Yeah. It was a kid I did a long time ago, and for whatever reason, like eight or seven years later, he came back with a little bit of an infection hmm. in the skin. The implant itself wasn't infected, but the incision was infected. That's so weird. It was weird. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It, you know, antibiotics done, over. Yeah. Uh, bony uh, changes. Definitely. Yeah, with any implant you put in, you'll see changes in the bone around it. Yeah, and and that's the thing is not like people say, oh, it causes uh, bone loss from having a chin implant. Well, I haven't seen that. And part of it is that none of it's clinically relevant. What I have seen is osteoconduction, osteoinduction and conduction, where the implant itself gets totally encased in bone. That's nuts. That's totally nuts. You go in to like take out the implant and you're like looking Where at bone yeah. <laughs> and you actually have to chip Chisel. through the bone and then boom, yeah. there's the implant. But yeah. it, it uh, And then you have to contour the bone if you're going to put a new one or leave it out or whatever. But that is very common. And But it's not really clinically relevant. No, so, not really. It's small. Yeah. So the complications are pretty minimal. With placement, you can get a marginal mandibular nerve palsy, yes. you know, yes. a weakness. And... What that does is it causes the uh, corner of the mouth on whichever side is injured to be up. 
and then the other side is still active yeah. and so people look like they've had like a, a stroke or something stroke. Yeah. um the way i treat that is i put a little botox in the good side believe it or not to paralyze it a little bit and then typically they wake up later on down the road i've never had a long-term problem with that i have had some weaknesses though typically happens to uh, people that need to be on TV in like two or three weeks <laughs> or friends of or course, totally. malpractice attorneys <laughs> that I operate on, which uh, I have a bunch of those. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unique. Um, but, you know, for the average person, it's pretty rare. <laughs> yeah, just if, if you need your marginal mandibular nerve to be working, then, then it'll be you're, gone. for sure you're going to have a weakness. So, But the good news is that Botox kind of takes care of it and it, and it wakes yeah, up fine. and it's done. But it's a pretty straightforward operation to do. I don't have a lot of problems placing them and, and getting them in position. Uh, I, and I don't really have a whole lot of problems with chin implants in general. And I, and I, rev, rev, I have revised many. Um, I probably do... I, I used to think I did a lot, but I, I don't. I probably do about 25 a year. I used to think it was more common with that's my rhinoplasties. That's a decent amount. That's it's a, a big number, but... Two a month? Yeah. It, 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 may be, it, may be a, it may be a little more some years and a little less some years, but it's in that neighborhood. And they're great. I mean, I, I never regret putting in a chin implant when I've thought it through properly. I've never put one in there where I thought it was too big. I have had patients think they were too big and taken them out. But they were really balanced and looked good. They just were uncomfortable. That right, was too used to too it, hard yeah. for them, you know. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not one of these guys that thinks every rhinoplasty needs a chin implant. And, and many, many patients who have come in for consults say, "Oh, I've saw two other guys, and they they think I should have a chin implant." Both of them did, and I'm sort of like, mm, I, I, "Okay," but I think it'll harden you. Like, I, yeah. so I don't. I don't like chin implants in in females very much. Unless they really need uh, unless it. Unless they really need unless it. Because really yeah. I think it, it yeah. hardens the face. I definitely agree with that. You think? But, you know, some people want that look. You know, they want it to be a little bit more, you know, even though they they just want to be a little more hardened, a, a broader chiseled. jaw, a little more chiseled, whatever. You know, to each their own. And that's the that's why, you know, everybody, it's my, that's my tagline. Everybody has their own vision of beauty and you cannot, uh, can't dictate that. You cannot mm. tell them what they need to think looks good. You just have to listen and custom tailor your treatment to, you know, make sure that it, it works for them. Anything else about chins? Um, I think we could talk a little bit about chin fillers because that's definitely a thing. You know, if you're not in the surgical realm and you don't want to commit to a chin implant one thing you can do that's non-invasive are chin fillers. Um, and those sort of function as like a semi-temporary you know, implant. You can see how you would look with an implant. And so you use a filler. You can bring it out forward. You can create some length to the fillers. And I have a lot of patients that are really happy with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good way to test for the chin implant. a good way to test implant. to see if you like that look. I have some patients that want to keep doing it forever because they just don't want to commit to a surgery and they're happy with coming in every nine to 12 months or whatever and getting a little more filler. So that's definitely an option for the chin as well. I think maybe I could try that out. Try some That'd filler? be kind of cool. <laughs> I need a whole bunch of stuff. Let's not get even started. As, to circle back on the pilot thing, if, if this doesn't go, then we're going we're gonna to enact my, my next idea and we're going to do a lot of plastic surgery. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I like chin fillers. Um, the only, like, I don't like fat for the chin. No, gosh, no, gosh, no. People ask about that. No. Oh, can't you just put fat Ugh. there? Yeah, if you want to look like a doughboy. Yeah, like, no. no. There's no fat in the chin. No, no, no. Not my favorite. 
I like to use Restylane or something that's dissolvable first. But if they want to just stay with a the filler, then go to Sculptra. Yeah. Sculptra lasts good. a little bit longer. Yeah. I think the other thing to mention too when I'm doing a chin implant is that I like to do some neck liposuction for contour. Oh, that's a good one. Definitely. A little neck lipo never hurt anybody. Contour. Never. Everybody could do a little <laughs> bit of chin lipo. <laughs> Do you understand now why I wanted to do this podcast? <laughs> I know. I see you looking at me. <laughs> hmm, what are you doing after yeah, this? Yeah, that's right. I think we got some local anesthesia. We can knock it out. By the way, you can do these operations under local, but it's not for the meek. The scraping on the bone yeah. is no, not for the meek. <laughs> so you got to no, really be thank you. cool with that if you want to do a chin implant under local. But you can. You can. But no, I have no you. problem doing stuff under local. Yeah, I, I think I just, you know... You know, I I don't know. I, I think I just tell the patients like it's going to be okay. I sort of like uh, like just suck it up and get through it. And if they have a few tears here and there, it's you know they get over it. And... You suck it up and get through it. No, they do. Oh, they no, do. I'm fine. I suck it up and get through no, it. No, I'm fine. I, it doesn't hurt me. I'm not the one having you know instrumentation into my chin. Like you know, but I think I think it's only for the right patient. For most people, they want to be like sedated or asleep or something. Yeah. I have a high pain tolerance, but there are very few things I'd want to do under local. Having done them myself on patients, I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Just put me to sleep for that. It, it's, it's again, it's a... But everyone's different. Yeah, everybody's different. You kind of kind of listen. You can't just say, oh, you have to do... I just did uh, uh, periarial or scar revisions under local, and my, my patient was absolutely terrified walking into the room. And then by the time I was doing it, she was like, well, I'm so glad I didn't have anesthesia for this. That would have been such a waste. Yeah. I mean, she's she was like got up and said, "I'm I'm ready to go to lunch. I'm set." And you know, everything was numb and didn't hurt. We had a little chit chat while we were doing it, and no, no big whoop. All right. Well, anything else on the chin and the neck? Well, since we extended it out to the mandible a little bit too, and breast implants in there, TV shows. <laughs> it's a hodgepodge. Choose your flavor. That's right. Well, this is our chin podcast. So. You know, we'll, we'll circle back on some other topics on the uh, on the next round. But this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the nine hundred two and zero. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is Medi Spa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive. Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty. And if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the members pricing for your hydrofacial. 
the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery. But there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.